Welcome to the Finder of Lost Things, exploring your superpowers of trust, healing, and transformation with me, Hannah Belton. My brother, Christian, disappeared in Mali, Africa in 2003. He disappeared without a trace. We lost his story. We didn't have closure. We lost so much. I was fighting and searching to find Christian when actually I just needed to sit in stillness and attract him in. I was so resistant to doing this, but I had to surrender. It's a process of trusting and finding the lost pieces and and integrating them. This podcast will uncover the process that Christian and I went on to find the lost things, him, and to find the parts of me that were missing. And we were destined from the start to tell our story into the dark, for we were born to a great white shark. Hello everybody, welcome, come on in as usual, come and sit around in the circle. Um, I've got a few stories to tell you uh, and I've got a lovely guest for you to meet as well who is full of stories. I've just been reading um, her two books and you're going to have a brilliant episode tonight. Um, So the 1st of May, which we've just had, um, actually marks a very special anniversary for me and for Christian. Uh, Not only is it Beltane, uh, Midsummer Day, um, but... It was also the day that the truth about Christian being dead was revealed to to me and to him. And it was also the first day, uh, you know, we've we thought we were speaking telepathically together for over a year. And he was always telling me he was coming home and I was always expecting him to walk through the door or, you know, to hear a knock at the door. And obviously that never happened. Um, But. 1st of May, three years ago, was the first time that I realised Christian was dead. He realised he was dead. And I also realised that I was a medium. (laughs) I wasn't just talking telepathically to Christian. Um, You know, it was a totally, it was mind blowing. Um, And it was also my grief could finally flood out because, you know, when you have a missing person and, you know, you're in this... uh, place of it's I was going to say a liminal space that word came through but you're in this in-between space which is surreal totally surreal and now three years on from when uh, we found out the truth Christian is extremely real to me like so real and this week um, he has been outdoing himself on bringing um, people to me uh, that he's connected with in spirit. He's bringing all these people to me. We are going to meet some of them in future episodes. We've actually got, after this episode, we've got 11 episodes left of the of the podcast and the radio show. So hopefully you're going to start meeting more people that Christian's bringing towards me. And our adventure is really beginning to ramp up. I can see where we're going and yeah, very, very excited. So this kind of links in this this thought that I realised I was a medium, and uh, this links in with my guest. Uh, this is Karen Anderson. Now, Karen Anderson is a pet lost 
loss specialist and an animal communicator. And I know with myself was very reluctant to, to use the gifts that I realized I had. Um, and Karen is like, we'll, we'll talk to Karen now actually, and she'll be able to tell us about all the gifts that she realized she had. And then actually they were quite frightening in many ways. And she's taken a, a long, long time to actually come out to, to use her gifts. So I'd like to welcome Karen to the show. Karen joins us from, um, from East Washington. Hi, Karen, how lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Hannah, thank you. This is just such a joy and a blessing for me. And your story just really uh, strikes a chord in my heart. And I can't imagine what all you have been through. And I think that it's really wonderful that you are honoring your brother and, uh, and creating this space for others who are maybe experiencing something similar in their lives. It's, uh, it's truly remarkable. And so I, I commend you for your effort in bringing your story out to the world. Thank you, Karen. That's really, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, because I know from, from, from your point of view, can you just sort of tell us your, I, I, I was reading your, your two books, which I would say to anybody to read, anybody who's interested in animal communication, anybody who's facing pet loss, which I have done with my own Labrador on Christmas day, actually. Um, so we just have a new puppy. So this is all very, um, you know, so much in my life at the moment. But yeah, if you can sort of talk to us about how, how did you, where did that sort of animal communication come in and when did it start? Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> the, the short version for, for your show today is uh, I could do this as a small child. I could understand all the animals. I always had a lot of pets around when I was growing up. They were always my best friends and I talked to them all the time, I thought everybody could do so. I didn't know that I was doing anything unusual or different until my parents started telling me to stop doing that because I was sharing information that they couldn't believe that I was coming up with as a five or six year old child. And so they basically said, you know, stop, <laughs> you're scaring us. They didn't say they're I was scaring them, but I was scaring them because how could I know these things? So I learned very early to hide it and to not tell anyone what I was doing because it was my parents disapproved. So, you know, when you're little and your parents disapprove, then you hide it, right? You don't, you don't do it, but I, I love the animals. So I kind of tucked it away and um, over the years forgot about it, grew up. And it wasn't until many decades later, I was very much not into anything psychic at the time. I was actually a deputy sheriff in Colorado and I was working right out of the academy, a rookie uh, by myself on the graveyard shift, the night shift and graveyard shifts. And I would sometimes have to respond to calls by myself. And this is when I started to realized how important it was to read the energy of the people who were there when I arrived on a scene, just to be able to determine for my own, my own personal safety, you know, what's going on here? Is this person a threat to me? You know, am I safe with them? So what I started doing was really people reading 
uh, reading energy, body language, watching their eyes, seeing where they looked when I interviewed them, you know, where, how are they standing, arms crossed, you know, are they twitching, nervous, are they, you know, looking all around, or are they looking me right in the eyes? So I was doing these things, but not realizing I was doing these things. And because of that, I unlocked a door and that door led me down a path of incredible intuitive, um, if you will, a spiritual awakening where I was just fascinated with what was coming through. And when I was on a crime scene, this is what did it for me. I was on a crime scene when one of the pets that belonged to one of the victims actually shared a message with me about where a suspect was hiding. And that's when everything changed and I went, oh my gosh, this is insane. This is crazy. If, if an animal can tell me that, what else can they tell me? And I was so hooked at that point. I couldn't think of doing anything else. And I just wanted to learn everything I could. So that was, that's the shortened version. I love it. And because if we can go back, because there's a few stories that I picked out from from your from reading about you. And um, like the first one with your your pet dog when you were little with Prince. Because that was the first time you really understood or you can you just sort of talk a, a short version, if you want, of, of that story as well. Yes. So five or six years old and I had a, a dog named Prince. He was a, a black and white collie. So he looked like Lassie, except he was black and white. And he would sleep in my room at night. And there was one particular night where he was pacing in my room, very, very unsettled. And that was unlike him. And he told me that his tummy hurt. And I heard it very clearly in my head, just as if it were my own thoughts, but I knew it was coming from him. And so I was very worried and I went and laid down with him on the, the cool uh, tile floor in the hallway of the house. And when I woke up in the morning, my mom was waking me up and she's like, what's the matter? And I said, Prince said his tummy hurts. And again, you know, she said, oh, you know, you got to stop this imagination and, you know, stop making things up and animals don't talk and whatever. And ended up that Prince was having a... Uh, crisis a pancreas issue very severe issue he ended up being okay but my mom was dumbfounded and floored that I had this information at such a young age there's no way I could have known that he had something going on with his tummy at the time yeah so that was normal for me to have those kinds of experiences with the animals yeah and I think that really is going to resonate with people because I know uh, like people that I talk to that and work with you know they have these things that happen to them when they're young um and they're either told by their parents or society you know oh don't be silly that's that's nonsense or and it, like you had a really horrific thing happen with that with this cat didn't you which kind of the shock of that and I'm sure people were gonna really resonate with this as well it's actually very hard for me to talk about it in fact when I wrote my book here all creatures I wasn't even going to share that story because I can tell you right now, just you mentioning it, it mm. made my stomach do flips because it was so traumatic for me. And, and even though things have now come into clarity because of that, mm. it was still such an incredibly painful 
thing to experience as a child. And basically what happened was I was a lover of all animals. I was probably around eight years old at the time. I was outside playing in my front yard and I was lived in a suburban neighborhood. So you have neighbors to the left, neighbors to the right, neighbors across the street. And I was uh, looking over this across the street and I saw an orange and white kitty that I had never seen before. So I kept inviting this kitty to come over and play with me mentally, telepathically, communicating with him. And he wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. Finally, finally, this kitty decided to come across the street and I was outside by myself. And when kitty finally made it into the street, a car came out of nowhere hit this kitty right in front of me and he passed away very slowly right in front of me and that's when I shut it down that's when I said look what I did I caused this kitty to die and I'm never doing this again and so I pushed it very very far down it was it's it's hard for me even now to think about it yeah no I I totally um, respect and thank you for, for saying that, telling that because, you know, we do do things at, at, with, with our gifts and something like that happens and you're like, oh my gosh, I caused a death or I caused a, and it's like, I don't want to touch this. I don't want to go near this. And I, I hear that so often, you know, these are, yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, because that 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 event really did mark what happened afterwards, didn't it? For many years, like I'm not going anywhere near this this gift, even though I know it could be used for for good. And because you were you were in a, you were a mortgage advisor, weren't you? Or you were selling mortgages, and you were sort of staying as far away from from the pets as as you could. So, sort of what happened to to change your mind? You know, it was a, a process of, I spent quite a, a large part of my adult life in the mortgage industry. And I was the one that would ask you for your pay stubs and your you know, tax statements and bank statements and all that. That was my job. I was a processor. And then I ended up owning my own company for a while. And for very many years, about 20 years, 18 to 20 years. And I had just this overall sense of emptiness inside, even though I was very successful, you know, on all other, you know, fronts, I felt so empty inside. I felt like something huge was missing, but I didn't know what. I just felt like I was on this hamster wheel, making a lot of noise and, you know, scurrying around and, just making no progress for myself. And that's when I really started to have these little light bulb moments, epiphanies, some people call them. I call them a light bulb moment where we finally go, oh, wait a second. I was started listening to that little voice in my head that was like, do what you love. What do you love? What is your passion? What do you love? And I realized it wasn't mortgage. <laughs> It wasn't being in that corporate environment. In fact, I really didn't care for that at all. I, I can tell you that I got in trouble a lot in the mortgage industry. Uh, my mouth doesn't have a filter sometimes. And I would just say whatever was on my mind. And you can't do that in an office setting, I found out. 
So I was even fired at one point. And, um, you know, I just really couldn't put a finger on it until I started listening to that voice inside me. And I'm going to call it an internal voice. Some people call it their higher self. Some people call it their God self. You know, it's, it's that soul speaking to you, that soul that knows you better than you know yourself. And so I started doing what I loved. And, you know, I eventually, you know, there were signs everywhere for me, Hannah, that said, Karen, you're not listening to the voice in your head. You know, I ended up having to file bankruptcy because a business partner embezzled from me and I had to shut down my business, my mortgage company. And so that was complete devastation. Now I have, I'm totally empty on the inside. I'm totally empty in my bank accounts. I have all these lawsuits pending from everything that happened. None of it was my fault because he embezzled from me. So I was, you know, a victim and yet everything fell on me. And I realized I need to go back to what I love and that's the animals. And so I opened up my little business, I called myself the corral gal, and I scooped poop for a living. And I had, <laughs> I had little steps in the right direction. <laughs> I'm so laughing right now because it sounds so utterly ridiculous to go from corporate America to scooping poop for a living. But you know what? I was so happy scooping poop. Yeah. I loved it. I worked with the animals. I was by myself. It was just me. I could talk to them all day long. And I just felt so balanced and so happy. And it was at that time that I started volunteering for the local animal shelter where I lived at the time in Colorado, which was uh, run by the sheriff's department. So animal control was run by the sheriffs and I started riding with the animal control officers. And I loved that. I loved helping the animals and, you know, going out making sure they were okay and safe and well-fed. And, and then I kind of caught the bug with law enforcement. And pretty soon I was finding myself wanting to give back. I went from kind of, I went, a complete opposite. I went to really being in, uh, I'm not going to say greedy mode because I don't consider myself greedy, but when you're in corporate America, it's always more, more, more. You want mm -hmm. more money, more income, more revenue, more sales, you know, more clients. And then I went to serving. I felt like I, I needed to serve and give back to the world and my community and the animals. So it was like a 180, it was like a really big moment, pivotal moment where I switched and went from one side to the other. Now I'm serving. And that's when I decided to become a deputy. So I went to the police academy and was hired right away by that same department. That's fantastic, fantastic. And it's like you say you went 180, but the, the balance and that you just like know it was the right thing to do yeah you're well, so, like you can feel it in your body and it's just like a natural it. thing it's like you a natural it. isn't it yes mm. when you follow that feeling doors will open for you when you're not listening to that voice 
you'll get fired, you'll get sued, you'll file bankruptcy, you'll get in trouble, you'll have problems after problem after mm -hmm. problem. And I wasn't listening to that voice. So when you listen and you start following the path, even if it's a path of poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. That'll be the show tag. <laughs> Follow the path of poop. <laughs> um, you know, you really have to trust that voice and it's hard. Ooh, it's hard to give up that paycheck. You know, it's hard to give up benefits and what you're used to. And, and I just jumped for, I just went for it. I jumped off the, the cliff and I just went for it and I trusted and it was tough. Mm -hmm. It was really tough, but look what it led me to amazing yeah. stuff. Cause you, you tell a story about um, um, a dove that you met that was actually ended up being called, called Noah. And um, he was, I presume it was a he being called Noah, yes. Noah in the end, but was he was, he. can you tell us that story? Cause he was totally pivotal in that sort of decision and, and that confirmation that you were on the right track. Well, first I have to say when I got into animal communication, there was, I didn't know it had a name. I didn't mm -hmm. know there was a thing called animal communication. I just thought you talked to animals. Mm -hmm. Then I find out that there's this thing called animal communication. And I was like, whoa. And then I started remembering, I know how to do this. I could do this. This is something I could do. And so I had this kind of all of that trauma from the past that I had hidden away for so many years with the cat that I felt that I killed. Everything started to resurface again. And I went, oh, I love this. I'm going to do this. So I started to refresh my skills and I focused everything I could on communicating. But now as an adult, I had all these layers of junk mm -hmm. from society and people and the environment that this isn't real. You can't do this. There's no such thing. You know, this is all in your head. You're crazy. You know, everything that you know, modern society wants to tell us about anything intuitive or psychic. Yeah, and you were being, you were being, you know, like labeled the witch as well, weren't you? Which I've oh, had I was as well. called, I was called so many things. Yeah. Uh, that when I started telling my family and friends, hey, you know, I can communicate with animals, they literally thought I was crazy. They yeah. Thought oh. I was certifiable nuts. So I know you can totally relate. To oh, I can say, oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole conversation, but yeah, <laughs> do carry on. And, you know, they, I was called every name you could imagine. Um, and it was very hurtful, very painful because here I was following something that felt so right within me, so pure in my heart, so beautiful, so incredible. And yet people who I loved and cared about were, were shooting me down and, and just basically being very unsupportive. And so at that point, I had left law enforcement. I didn't really know what was gonna happen. I knew it wasn't law enforcement. I knew that there was something else, Hannah, but I didn't know what. And that's such a hard place to be in mm -hmm. because you're kind of grasping and you feel this kind of limbo that you don't know where to go, what to do. And I had, of all things, gone back to mortgage because it was the only thing I knew. And I had to mm -hmm. bring in some money until I figured out what the heck I was going to do. So I'm back in the mortgage business, which wasn't fun, but I was invited to a party, a barbecue at a 4th of July um, celebration here in Spokane. 
with some coworkers. And they said, come on, Karen, I was really depressed at the time. I just had pretty much stopped communicating or telling anyone that I was communicating with the animals because I was tired of all the backlash. I was just tired of it all. And uh, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even really socializing. They finally con convinced me, come on, let's, you know, come with us. Well, and, and also I had a, um, rela my relationship at the time with my husband, it was not good. So I had no support from him. My family was being weird. Everyone that I thought was my friend thought I was a witch. <laughs> so things were not good. <laughs> so I go to this 4th of July party, just wanting to relax and maybe meet a few people or something. And, and the next door neighbor comes over and she says to me, hey, will you come over and see if you can communicate with this little bird that we found? I rescued it from my cats. They had, the cat had a, the bird in its mouth. And she was rehabilitating this little bird. I said, yeah, sure, okay, what the heck. So I go next door to her house and I'm thinking it's, you know, like a sparrow or a, you know, I don't chickadee or something. Well, she comes out with this little white dove on her finger. And I thought, oh, I mean, I had never seen a white dove before in person, mm -hmm. you know, you see, pigeons sometimes but I had never seen a pure white dove so I was like oh I was surprised and so she put her hand out to me and this little dove stepped off her finger onto mine as if it knew me its whole life there was no hesitation and so that took me back because I thought well this is weird why is this bird not afraid and there was so much commotion in that house at the time there were kids running all over you know, it was a party. There were people everywhere, noise. This little bird was just so calm, so quiet. So I reached out, he stepped onto my finger and Hannah, the most incredible thing happened. As soon as he stepped on my finger, I felt this warmth. I can only describe it as almost being transported, but this warmth just go in, through my entire hand and up to my arm. And I almost felt like I wasn't me anymore. I felt like I was just in a completely different place with just this little dove and everything else just faded away around me. The noise faded, everything, the commotion faded, everything got really still and really quiet. And this little dove cocked its head, looked right at me and said, oh, the human that talks to animals. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And in the background, they're all saying, what's his name? Where's he from? Does he have a family? You know, where did he come from? The little dove says, from up above. So I'm slowly giving the family, the messages from this little bird, but I didn't tell him anything that he was saying he'd been waiting for me. <laughs> and I was just mesmerized by the fact that this little guy was giving me these really incredible messages with all of this chaos going on. And then here's what completely floored me. This little bird looked at me and said, 
that he knew what had been happening, that I wasn't communicating with animals anymore. And I saw my whole life happening right before my eyes. And he knew about the hurtful things that people had been saying to me. He knew everything about me. It was this weird life review that was happening in this space and time in this person's kitchen. It was the most craziest moment and, and words, I find it difficult to explain, but it was so powerful and so pivotal and so life-changing. And he had a very divine message for me. He told me that I knew in my heart what I needed to do and that my sole purpose in this world was to continue to communicate with animals and to help others with theirs. And boy, I tell you what, I started bawling like a baby. I was crying, sobbing hysterically. The family's looking at me like, what is her problem? <laughs> <laughs> <Senior> Duff. <laughs> this woman is nuts, right? So that was, that was it for me. I, I knew at that point, you know what? I, I can't let what anybody else says about me stop me from following my passion and my purpose. It's my journey. This is what makes me feel good. This is for my soul, my heart. If it doesn't resonate with you, then go somewhere else. But this is for me and I'm going to follow my purpose and my passion and continue to do my work. So now I don't let anybody or anything get in my way, nor should anyone who's listening to this, especially family and friends, they can be some of our biggest critics. They can be so hard on us. And that's a tough nut to crack when it's your own family. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's, there was actually, there was actually a, a, a sentence in your, um, in your book and it says, if there's a message that you need to hear, the universe will find some way to deliver it to you. And like you had your dove. And from that point, it was like, okay, this is it. I have to do it. I've had my own messages that have been delivered to me. And it's like, there's, you can't not, you can't back away from this anymore. I mean, I did the same. I was like, I can't do this. Oh my God. What's this? What is this? And I certainly can't go and tell people I do it. And I certainly can't go and serve other people. And, and in the end, like you have to give up, don't you? I mean, you have to not give up. You have to surrender to it. So well done the dove. <laughs> Right. And then you've gone on to then, so talk us through what what's your sort of, your bread and butter sort of work that you do now with, with people, how you serve? Well, it's a, it's been an incredible 24 years now since all of that happened. Mm. Uh, and my, my journey has been, I was delivering messages through sessions for my clients. So they would contact me and we would have a whole session and I would bring their animals energies forward and deliver messages. And then what started happening, Hannah, is I started realizing that the messages from the departed animals were so profound and so healing and so powerful and so incredibly accurate that I could feel in the moment I delivered them, I could feel their human start to heal. 
there was such an impact that they had been in such a dark place that just delivering sometimes one word, sometimes all, all I had to deliver was one word, not an entire sentence or you know a whole story, but just one thing. And you could actually feel them shift. That doesn't mean that they don't feel pain anymore. That doesn't mean that they still don't hurt or cry or, or miss their loved one. That's not at all what I'm saying. But to move from this horrendously, completely paralyzed state of devastation and go, what? The only one who knew that was my cat, my dog, my horse, or whoever. Nobody knew that. And this, the healing that takes place from that, that became so, I would say, to me, so powerful as the messenger, as delivering the message, the messenger, that I completely focused on that. So my niche became the afterlife and delivering afterlife messages. So I ended up writing the two books about it. And in those books, I shared actual messages from actual sessions, from actual departed pets, and a few living pets, and a few mm -hmm. departed humans. <laughs> There's a little <laughs> bit of everything sprinkled in there. But I wanted to share with the, the world that, you know, that the afterlife is real. Your departed pets never leave you. You don't lose someone you love. Those bonds of love never die. You will always be connected. And then someday you will be reunited. And they give us signs all the time, whether you catch them or not. They're sending us signs and giving us messages and and letting you know that they're around you and with you and they're still connected to you and there's nowhere else they would rather be than with you. They're not in some faraway place or up in the clouds or Rainbow Bridge or any other place. They're with you. They love you and they want to be with you and nothing much changes for them except they, they have so much more freedom. Of course, they're not locked into a body. So that's what I kind of threw myself into and I developed this passion for delivering those afterlife messages. And that's where, that's what it has led me to today, which is a pet loss specialist where I help those who are struggling with the loss through my books, through my courses, through my teachings, just through the messages of what the animals have shared with me because losing a pet for me is, I don't have human children so I'm not comparing to those, anyone who's lost a human child. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying for me, it is like my child. I don't know what it's like to have a human child. So I don't mean to disrespect anyone. I'm just saying for me, it's like losing a child. A part of me is gone when they go. Mm -hmm. So that's where, where this path has led me, that there is life in the afterlife, that their spirit lives on just as your spirit will live on and my spirit and your brother's spirit, as you know, and they communicate with us. They send us messages. They send us signs. They're, they're wonderful on the other side. We don't have to worry about them over there. They are perfect. They are balanced. They are you know, where they need to be doing what they need to do. And they want us to live a full and happy and beautiful life because they benefit from that. Yeah, I was just going to say they worry, uh, you know, it's the same 
I get it through from the human side, but like pets as well, they they worry about their owners, you know, being in grief, don't they? Because you, you say it beautifully actually in the book, like the more you grieve for them and if you've got guilt, if you've got sorrow, that's uh, it, like emotional tie to them. It actually drains them. Yes. And um, yes, it, it is. It's like, so let me just share this with you. I'll give you, I'll paint a picture here for you. Do you have someone in your life, a friend, family member, whatever, that you like them, but anytime you're with them, they're always sad or complaining or upset or in some kind of a crisis. And even though you care about that person, when you finally get away from them, you just feel literally drained. Like you can't listen to another thing they say because you're just like, oh, <laughs> all the energy is drained out of you. Where think in terms of someone else you know in your life who's always happy and positive and you know just full of sunshine and good news and you know you love being around that person because you feel so just so energized just being around them so when we are in a state of grief we are very draining because those are sad feelings are heavy and they weigh us down they will also weigh down our departed loved ones won't harm them won't stop them from continuing on their spiritual journey. But would you rather hang out with someone who's down and sad and obsessed about how you died all the time? Or would you rather hang out with someone who's positive and happy and upbeat and living their life fully? Mm -hmm. Actually, there's two, if, if you don't mind, there's two great stories that you told and they were all about lost, lost dogs. There were two lost dogs that you told me told and I'm just from Christian and I our story I was like oh my god I've got to have to get these in because they were like they kind of give confirmation to me as well about what I was going through so the first one is um you don't need to tell the whole story but with Shadow um and I think he he was a lost dog um and the owner the kind of message was that he they needed to sort of fully let him go before he could return um, and that's what happened with me and Christian. It's like I had to actually stop obsessing about him and actually let him go, and which allowed him to to return. So I don't know if you want to just do a quick, quick, quick story about Shadow. Yes. Well, Shadow is a she, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, she Jenny. Belonged to um, this woman named Jen, and uh, Shadow had um, really bad seizures, so she was on epilepsy, epileptics, anti-seizure medication. The medicine made her a little bit, you know, crazy in a way. <laughs> and mm -hmm. one particular morning she spooked and took off out of the yard. And that's when I ran into Jen. And I didn't know Jen, I was just driving down a country road and she was coming down the other side of the road and she was crying. I could see this woman coming towards me crying and crying. So I slowed my car down being a former police officer to see if I could help, you know, hey, are you okay? And that's when she said, my dog, my dog, you see my dog. So um, I just happened at that time to just be starting out as an animal communicator, literally as a professional. So I handed her my card that I had just gotten printed. I was so proud. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, here, you know, if you need my help, you can reach out to me. And I gave her my business card and, I got a call from her shortly thereafter and she says, shadow's not home. Do you think you can do a session? Do you think you can help? And I said, well, sure. So we set up a session and I got very specific details about where shadow was. She was still alive. 
Uh, she was about five miles south of home. And I saw this kind of rusted out truck, like in an open field with some dry grass. And literally around here, that could be anywhere because we live out in the country here. So that could be anywhere. Uh, but the five miles south was very specific. And um, I really felt like she was kind of hiding because I've kind of got like her body was all pulled in and clenched in and kind of like hunkered down somewhere. And so um, I shared this with Jen and she went searching. She put flyers up everywhere, went and talked to everyone she could talk to. And, you know, she in the meantime became very desperate, very despondent because she couldn't find her dog. So she went to another psychic who was not an animal communicator, but was a psychic. And this psychic told her that Shadow had died, that she saw the spirit of Shadow uh, beside her and that she was fine in the afterlife and everything was fine and wonderful, but Shadow had died. And this was in November. So around here in Eastern Washington in November gets very cold and um, Jen had, was devastated, of course, and no dog could be alive after all this time that had gone by in this cold weather, especially with the seizure medication. And so Jen called, sent me an email and said, Karen, just wanted to let you know, Shadow has died, this psychic told me. Well, I read this email and I was like, no, <laughs> Shadow is not dead, Shadow is alive. And again, I was just starting out, didn't really know what the heck I was doing, but I knew in my heart that Shadow was alive. So I stuck with that and I just wished Jen well, you know, she wants to believe that Shadow's gone, that's her thing, but I'm sticking with what I have and what Shadow told me. Well, the very next morning at like five o'clock in the morning, I'm not a morning person. I don't get up in the morning for anybody. In fact, just getting up for your show today was painful for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I, I woke up to this booming voice that resonated with me that was shadows, which is so weird because shadow is a girl, but this booming voice came through as a male. I don't know why it just did. I don't question things. I just go, okay, whatever. So this voice came in and basically said to me that Jen needed to let go, that this was part of her journey, her spiritual journey that she needed to let go. And once she finally let go, then I will return to her. And I'm thinking, this is weird. You know, <laughs> this doesn't happen. This is so weird. Well, I didn't tell her this. I didn't tell her this. I just held on to it for a while. And um, I reached out to Jen a couple of days later. She said, you know, I think I'm just going to have a ceremony and send Shadow's spirit on its way. And I said, I think that's a beautiful thing to do. And uh, she went ahead and had the ceremony. And um, I guess there were a lot of tears. And, you know, she said her farewells. Well, then shortly after that, she got a phone call from somebody that was at one of those little... Um, they're called radio controlled um, cars where people go and fly planes and radio control cars in this open field. They had seen her flyers. They found Shadow hunkered down underneath this rusted out truck in this open field with all this dried grass around her. She had been attacked, we think maybe by a coyote or something. She had some wounds on her. She was dehydrated, she was starving. 
she was very scared and because of her seizure medication missing, she was really out of it, but she was alive. So I get this message from Jen saying, Shadow is alive. I'm on my way to the vet with her right now. So wow. that was such a powerful story because Jen needed as you, she needed to fully let go of things that you cannot control. You cannot control certain things. And once you give that up, once you say to the universe, okay, universe, God, or whoever you are, I release this. I let it go. I am only responsible for what I do and the choices I make, but there are some things that I cannot control that are completely out of my reach. And I need to just be at peace with whatever is happening or whatever has happened. And when she finally did that, that's when Shadow came home. Mm -hmm. crazy story yeah and it's a beautiful story as well that that element of uh, I know you must get this question a lot I'm going to ask it now because it's the right time to do it like I want to contact my pet uh I'm asking for signs I'm opening myself up to hearing back from my pet and and nothing's happening you know um it can you sort of explain why that might be and and how you can actually open up to your if you're or if you're wanting to connect with your with your pet i will tell you even for me if i have just recently lost a pet or even if i'm grieving deeply about a pet there is no way i'm going to be able to communicate with it other than to send it love 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 because emotions are powerful forms of energy any strong emotion is something that will cause a, a disruption in the transmission of messages. Just like when you're on your cell phone and you get to a bad spot, you hear people say, e -ah, e -oh, e -ah, e -ah. can't hear them, right? Mm -hmm. It's because the reception is bad. There isn't a clear connection. Emotions will do that to you. So if you are emotional about your pet, if you're grieving, if you're deeply saddened, if you're in those dark places, there is no way you're gonna feel anything because grief is like a, a wet, heavy blanket on you. And even for me, I can't pick up on things. I know now to just honor my feelings of grief and to trust that I'm going to find my way through it. But your pets are letting you know almost immediately that they are around and they're okay but the messages, Hannah, are subtle sometimes. Mm -hmm. They're not this big neon sign blinking in the sky. I'm here, I'm okay, I'm with you, I love you. It's not like that. Sometimes it's just barely there, like a slight, uh, like cobwebs across, across you, or a slight, maybe it feels like one hair moving across you, something. It's so subtle that if you, aren't paying attention, that if you have shut down because of your emotions, if you're sick, if you're on medication, if you have a lot of stress in your life, if you're not in a good place personally on your spiritual journey, all of those things are deterrents and those messages can't get through to you. Just like when you're on your cell phone and you're in a bad spot, they're, they're being sent. They're just being 
intercepted and they're not getting through to you. So you have to just know that your pets are fine. They're letting you know. And when you get into an emotionally balanced place where you're open to receive, you also have to be open to receive, then the messages can come through. We are giant receivers. We're an antenna. We can receive incoming information and be careful what you ask for sometimes <laughs> because they will come through a lot. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because yeah, I mean, I totally, that, that whole story, everything you're saying, I'm like, oh yeah, I've been through all of that, you know, with Christian, <laughs> with the grief, not being able to hear anything. And then just gradually I had to balance myself. I had to get myself together. I had to love myself. I had to, uh, like totally changed my life uh, and then gradually things started to get easier and and hearing and opening and receiving and not being scared and and um Duffy she, when when she passed over she would come back and she would come and go from the house but she would you could uh she would be in the kitchen she'd be like an energy even my husband who's not anything spiritual would go oh there's Duffy there or and actually she would climb onto my bed or our bed and curl up next to me and put her head on my on my on my leg um but and she was never allowed upstairs so she's like this is great <laughs> but all this but she sent me a dream um at one point because we're gonna run out of time we always do this I'm always getting into it and then we run out of time but she um she came to me after she died and she it was a it was a lucid dream she was on one side and then this male dog was on the other side and she was like this is the new one and I was like mm, okay because uh, I we'd always thought we would have a bitch instead um but actually it turned out in the end we couldn't find a puppy anywhere and um, there's like lockdown everybody's had puppies and uh my husband is is Scottish and he was talking to his family in Scotland and his youngest nephew is a gamekeeper and they had a litter of puppies and we were like oh is there any left and they said, no, no, there's none left. Uh, you know, we're looking for a bitch, but, um, you know, there's no puppies left. Anyway, two days later, they phoned back and said, there's a puppy become, oh, I'm getting chills. It's like, oh, there's a puppy, like somebody's backed out. There's a puppy now, um, but, it's a, but it's a dog. And I was like, oh, okay, hang on. But Duffy came with the dog. And anyway, we now have, he's now upstairs. We had to go all the way to Scotland, which is like nine hours for us down here but we have uh, and I do feel like Duffy's given us that was her who she chose um uh anyway there's a, I can tell you I might do another program actually on on our, our experience of pet loss and what have you because we obviously being a grief specialist I did ever got my whole toolkit out to be able to work with with the kids and and everything um but yeah so so it is really an element of your, yourself and being in a, in a place to to receive so what's what's the main sort of message I mean we did touch on it before didn't we about what what's the main sort of message that that animals not necessarily pets I don't know maybe it's animals or pets in general that sort of animal consciousness what what are the main sort of messages that they want to to tell us what are we what should we be learning from them well, you know, Hannah, I'm just going to speak from my experience and, you know, everyone who does what I do has a different set of experiences. I mainly communicate with companion animals. So cats, dogs, horses, parrots, you know, things that we would have in our homes. I communicate with all animals, but the majority of my clients had 
companion animals. So I can only speak from those messages because those are the majority of messages that I've received. And I think the one thing that they want us to know most of all, what is so important, that really was a big eye opener for me and changed me was to literally live in the moment right here, right now. Animals don't worry about tomorrow. They don't stress over yesterday. They don't obsess about what's coming up a month from now. They don't understand about an upcoming surgery or an upcoming treatment or a vet appointment around the corner. You know, we don't live in this moment. We live in, in, in our thoughts in another time. And the animals have taught me to be present, to be here right now, to appreciate what's around you, to take time to literally soak in the sun or enjoy the rain or go out and play in the yard or be in nature or whatever it is. I didn't live there for the longest time. And animal communication is not just learning how to talk to animals. It's really discovering who you are. It's peeling back the layers that we have uh, kind of built up over the years and really mm -hmm. discovering the true you, what you are really all about, how powerful, you're this powerful and mighty spiritual being, you're capable of anything you set your mind to. And when you stand in your truth and follow your purpose and your passion, anything is possible. And that's the message the animals want us to be true to ourselves. Don't do what your parents want you to do. Don't do what society wants you to do. Don't do what the neighbors are doing. Do what you want to do and what calls to your heart. It'll make all the difference in the world. Mm. Amen to that. Like completely. That's our story as well. Uh, you know, the animals... I, I, I get several messages like from, in fact, uh, the messages I get about animals are, are to be, to really look at the wild animals and how they, how they are, because pets can, they sort of learn that the human ways as, uh, in a way, don't they? they? They learn to play games in a lot of cases. Um, whereas actually the, the wild undomesticated animals, like they're just themselves. And as you were saying, totally yep. so thank you I really like Karen that was such an amazing conversation because you went through you know I, I we talk a lot on this podcast a lot about trusting yourself and purpose why you're here don't listen to anybody else trust yourself and this whole idea of that healing that you need to do before you can start with this these receiving with your antennae your body um but do you have a website that anybody can um can visit so if they want to find out more about you and your, this, your books your brilliant books that you uh, and the services that you offer oh thank you yes the easiest way to find out more is to go to my website which is simply karenanderson.net and my books here all creatures and the amazing afterlife of animals you can order through amazon uk you can order um, amazon us amazon canada you can also get half price from me if you um, in the us if you order from me I also have um, a free mobile app, which you can download right now. It's called Pet Loss, Hope and Healing. And it has everything we've been talking about in there and so much more. And I also offer courses. If you wanna learn how to communicate with animals, I have beginner's courses and I offer private coaching. I don't do sessions anymore. 
because my guides have shown me that you know, I need to move in the direction of coaching and teaching. And I'm also writing my next book, which is about pet loss. So that'll hopefully be out by the fall. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation today. It's been enlightening. I'm sure listeners are going to be there's so there's been so much in there for people to take with them. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, next week, I have um, Desi Kadra, um, who I've known for quite a long time. And Desi lost her, her mother and basically couldn't believe that that was the end. Uh, and has embarked on this big spiritual journey and and, and been uncovering what you know, like uh, like what Karen and I do and and really exploring the afterlife and she now has a um, a YouTube channel called uh, Bridging the Realms which I've been part of as well so that's for next week so thank you so much to Karen for joining us this week and thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week okay bye bye. Thank you for listening to The Finder of Lost Things. I think we've been triggered so long and so hard by COVID and it's going to carry on. People are getting used to, to stillness and they're getting used to um, more solitude. But how do you use that time for the highest good? This process that we're going to explore will bring back the joy and purpose to life. That wholeness, you know, that sort of harmony and flow and togetherness people are really ready to find their lost parts now you can find me at hannahvelton.online views expressed on this program are those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station its management or advertisers You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.